0: This message is brought to you by Moira Pentecostal Church. We hope that it will encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your walk with God. When my grandfather was here, I was just a wee lad. I was six foot four and maybe a little few few lighter pounds. You know, I got married and my wife started feeding me real good, so you never know what happens after that, right? Can I get an amen from the men, right? Praise the Lord. Man, there's so many things I want to share with you tonight, and we're just going to believe the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into the right place. How many are ready for to see God move tonight? Amen? How many need a move of God in their life? I want to move with God in my life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you so much for the right foundation in our lives God, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, that we can just look into your word. We thank you for the moving of your spirit in this place. Lord, for ministering to us to speak to us. Help us to hear your voice. Give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying to us. So Lord, we just thank you for that tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You know, it was, it was uh it was quite fun being out in the Philippines. My 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 grandfather actually went to the Philippines as you saw in the video this morning in 1952 when uh, God had called him to go there. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he just had a very unique experience where he 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 was a pastor of a 2,500-member church. It was the second largest Assemblies of God church in the United States at the time. And uh, God said, I want you to, he was actually praying, God, send our youth on missions. And God says, I want you to go. And so he went to his elder board and told him, hey, we're going to, we're going to, leave america and you know we're gonna go and he said well we'll double your salary he says well i didn't ask for that we'll buy you a car he said you know god's called me to go so i'm gonna go so he you know back then got on a ship and went 30 days across the ocean with his two little toddlers which for those of your parents can you imagine getting on a ship going across the, the ocean for 30 days i can't that's even before they had diapers so they had cloth diapers probably so ooh, that'd be a mess. And so. Basically, they got there and, you know, the Philippines had been torn apart by World War II. This is, you know, seven years after the end of World War II. Said that there was holes in the ground so big you could drive a a vehicle into it. And just the people were very uh, impoverished and they would even come out to his meetings and they would give him fake names and addresses because they were so embarrassed of the the living conditions that they lived in. And so God really put it on his heart to just continue to minister to them but he was really after six months he was going to quit and give up he didn't know what to do because nobody would come and he'd go follow up on these addresses and their people wouldn't be there and he just was so, very frustrated and thank God for women right who remind you of what you said my, my grand, grandmother said I thought you said God said we're supposed to come here <laughs> and so here's a special lesson for the men tonight if you tell your wife the right thing she'll remind you of the right thing versus reminding you of what you said which you shouldn't have said okay that was a free bonus right there just for you but my grandmother reminded him of this, and it was right around that time that the Lord just really moved on his heart and said, do you trust me? I want you to, if you really trust me, I want you to buy a piece of property. And you know, my, I remember this story, he'd say, he'd say if, it, if it didn't look crazy, you should have looked at it twice. And he didn't have five people, and he went out and bought land in downtown Manila, and then he went ahead and built a 2,000-seat auditorium, you know, just kind of like, well, gee, you're pretty crazy, you know. And even people begged him not to do it. They said, this will this will house more than half the Protestants in the whole city of Manila. And so he says, well, God told me to do it. So right around the same time, he hears about a girl who's in prison. Her name is Clarita Valenueva. And she basically uh, was, was living a life where she had been involved in prostitution. She had run away from her family. They were involved in deep levels of witchcraft. And, and, and really had dedicated her to the devil when she was a child. And now these demons were pursuing her and... And she would literally be on the street, and, and unseen forces would attack her and bite her, her flesh. And so they thought she was crazy, so they just put her in prison. And it was during that time that, that she cursed two head jailers, and they both died of heart attacks. And there was great fear over the whole city. And when my grandfather heard about it on the radio, God said, this is what I brought you here for, to pray for her. Because Jesus said, what did he say, folks? He said, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name you'll cast out evil spirits. That's part of who we are as believers. Not just something special for Dr. Lester Summerall, but it's who we are. And so here he steps up to the plate, and they said, well, you know, two people have died so far. We can't have an American die. It'll be an international crisis. He says, well, I'm not going to die. He says, we're going to go in there and, and pray for this girl to be healed. So they went in there, and they ministered to her for two or three days, fasting and praying. And God gloriously set this young girl free. And through that deliverance, they were actually able to meet with President Mag Saisai. Anybody heard of President Mag Saisai back there? I got some beautiful pictures of President Mag Saisai and my grandfather together from back in 1953. Then they were able to use the Roxy's Park. They wanted to give him a gift, you know. Which I'm thank God my grandfather wasn't a charlatan saying, "Hey, uh, give me some money or give me something." But he had a heart for the people of the Philippines, and he wanted to preach the gospel. So he says, "Well, we need to tell the story of what happened with this girl." And so they had a six-week meeting where so many people ended up getting healed that they got sued by the medical doctors for practicing medicine without a license. <laughs> and, and we had, you know, old Roberts, it was his first international crusade, and just the Lord did mighty miracles. People got set free and delivered. There was actually testimonies powerful testimonies of how the Holy Spirit was moving through different churches even in Methodist churches where they said from the little children up into the teenagers and the adults people would get baptized in the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with tongues and on one occasion there was a a fire fireman saw fire on the top of a building and they came out and they started to spray the, the building with water because they saw fire but it was a spiritual fire how many want that fire in your heart tonight and I believe that God he does want to want us to to have that we're going to start our journey out tonight um, in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. What we shared this morning, again, very foundational but very basic, we really need to know that God loves us because if we don't know that, we really don't know much. Are you with me? Once we know that, God, God wants to prepare us. As I said before, salvation is, is the beginning of the race. You know, The gun sounds and we take off well, then we don't stop. We got, to run the, we got to run the race. There was a dear friend of my grandfather's, his name was Peter Haddon, who was down from Edinburgh. I got to visit him once there at his church, but he used to actually run the Ironman competition in South Africa. And it was like, I think it was 54 miles that they would actually run through desert and they would, oh, you, have you done that? Wow. Have you ever met Peter Haddon? Do you know who that is? No i didn 't know there was more than one person that would actually participate in something so crazy, but I know who I mean I was an athlete in high school, but i can 't imagine running that much but you know it just it 's amazing how he God wants us to uh realize that there is a race for us to run and and guess what my race isn 't your race isn 't that great news you don 't have to do what I have to do, and vice versa. you can do what god 's called you to do Hebrews chapter twelve. Curiously enough we're on the way talking about the race of faith. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 after after you know the whole chapter uh, the whole chapter of Hebrews 11 has talked about this these pioneers of faith, these people who have who've have gone through all types of hardships, all types of circumstances, but they trusted God in the midst of it all. It goes on to say in verse 12 verse 1, therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Witnesses to what? Witnesses to the life of faith. Witnesses who said, you know what, I was down and out and God came through for me. He'll come through for you too. They're witnesses to the life of faith. How many know when you go to court, they say, okay, we're going to call a witness. They testify to what, is, what has been seen and what has been done, don't they? And so it's, it's these witnesses who are witnessing to the life of faith. He says, let us lay aside every, everyone say every, every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, entangles us. You know, it just it, it's amazing to me, just, you know, living normal life, how easy it is for us to just live in the flesh. You know, for us to just, you know, we could be in a situation where we're talking to our spouse, and it's easier to hold our tongue. But no, we want to pipe up and say our opinion and get into a nice little argument, don't we? Well, that's just my Scottish, you know, or that's just my Irish side, you know no, that's, that's probably the devil trying to work in your life there. You know, a, lot, a lot of times we want to blame it on our national heritage, but some of those things might be generational curses we need to repent of. Boy, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? God wants us to lay aside. Sometimes we we want to look at things in the wrong perspective. We say, well, that's not a sin. But you know what? It might be a weight. It might hinder you from running the race fully. How many know when you're out? taking a walk or a a, a run or you're out there that basically it's just nice to see the scenery that's going by but for some people in their Christian walk things seem so boring because they're, they're running in place they just see the same scenery they're not seeing anything different God wants us to lay aside the weight and lay aside the sin the things that hold us back so we can enjoy the journey we can run that race and we can see what God has for us He says, run this race that is set before us. As I said earlier, every one of us has a unique race, has a unique calling, a unique destiny. I love the fact, you know, that they can even look at our fingerprints and that out of the seven billion people in the world, that I have a unique set of prints. And so do you. So does every one of us. Just so unique and so special. Verse two, looking unto Jesus. What are we supposed to do as we run this race? We're supposed to look at Jesus. What I love what David said. He said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. We were down in Newcastle. And I think I should have thought of that scripture before. Looking up at those beautiful hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Sometimes it's so easy in the midst of our journey, in the midst of our race, that we start looking at the circumstances. We start looking down. We start looking at our own failures. And see, this morning we talked about self-righteousness, how it's so easy to focus on ourselves. You know, sometimes we blow it up here and we say, oh, you know, I'm, I messed up. And then over here, we start to shame ourselves. Well, I should have known better. I could have done better. I could have made a, di- a different decision. But then over here, we come back to self righteousness. But the problem with that triangle is it's all about self, it's not about Jesus, it's not about his righteousness. He tells us here, looking unto Jesus. God's calling us in this season to look to him through the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our mind. There's so many things that could try to get our attention. And he says, hey, hey, look over here. Pay attention. Look at me. He wants us to look at him. He says, who for the joy, the, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. How many knows that sometimes it's difficult in our race? It doesn't. God doesn't promise us, hey, your race is going to be super easy. He doesn't always say, hey, I'm going to create a bypass that's going to take you around. He says, I'm going to take you through the valley of the shadow of death. But even through the valley of the shadow of death, he's with us. We're not alone. We don't have to be afraid because the one who's greater, he lives inside of us. He's with us. So we're not, we're not going to be alone. No matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like, that's why we got to keep our focus on him. And he despised the shame. There might be people who are going to look at you when you do what God's called you to do and say, well, you shouldn't do that. I'm sure when Pastor Gowdy started this church, a lot of the other people in town said, well, why is he doing that? Well, we already got enough churches in, in this town. We don't need that. But maybe that's what God called him to do. And so when God calls you to do what you're called to do, you pray it through, you hear God's voice, you do what you're supposed to do. But there might be people who might disagree with you. But you can't worry about what they're going to say about you. You can't worry about their opinion of you. I loved one of my grandfather's quotes was this, is other people's heads is the wrong place for my happiness. (laughs) Because sometimes we just, you know, especially when we get into some of this political correctness in our society, we wouldn't want to say anything because we wouldn't want somebody, somebody who might know somebody who might think something, who might think something, and then all of a sudden we're making the decisions not based on what God's telling us to do, but we're basing the decisions on fear of man. We're basing the decisions on, well, that might not look good. Somebody who might know somebody... Has anybody ever been there before where you start making decisions on, well, we got to be careful because there might be somebody outside the door, and God says, you know what? Walk through the door. Trust me. Whatever it is in your life, don't, don't sit there and worry about things that are hypotheticals or that might happen. This could happen. Guess what? You could have a donkey that would fall out of the sky on you, but you got to live life anyway, don't you? I got that from Johnny and Tessa's house. They have a nice little sign by their door. we got to trust God to live this life. Endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down in that glorious place at the throne of God. I want you to look with me over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I must say it's a lot more comfortable speaking in a barong than it is in a suit. That's, I think, why I really enjoyed them when I was in the Philippines because it's, you know, 25 Celsius every day, all day, and 100% humidity. <laughs> you really don't need to take a shower there because you just, you know, you're always wet from sweat. That's obviously a joke. You need to take three showers a day. <laughs> mark chapter 11. You got your Bibles there, you can mark it. Mark, how do I come off with these things? I'm not even trying. It just happens. Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. Actually, let's back up and read from verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, he said to, to him, to Jesus, Rabbi, teacher, Look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now I could get on a preacher's rabbit trail right here and go into a whole other message. But you know, I've been raised in the church. I've heard this preached a hundred times, but it was only recently that I realized, you think it's a coincidence that Jesus chose the fig tree to curse? Have you ever ever stopped and thought about that? He specifically cursed the fig tree because what did Adam and Eve cover themselves with to create a self-righteous covering? They were covered in the glory of God, but then when they sinned, they went and put together fig leaves to cover themselves. So here Jesus, who is our righteousness, says, hey, by the way, guys, we're going to curse this thing that tried to become self-righteousness for people. Isn't that a thought? Pretty interesting. Pretty amazing. He curses the fig tree, and he turns to Peter and says, have faith in God. I want us all to say that together. Have faith in God. Say it one more time. Have faith in God. Sometimes the circumstances don't really seem like we should be trusting God or we don't know what to do. But he says to Peter here, have faith in God. Verse 23, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says, everyone say says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, I tell you what, there's a lot of people in, in uh, different churches, different movements, who've taken this scripture and manipulated it and used it. And you've even had people, you know, blab it and grab it is one of the phrases I've heard, or, or name it and claim it. And, and, and so sometimes we've looked at that in a negative light. But there's a spiritual kingdom truth here that I don't want you to miss because of those wrong mindsets. He tells us straight up here, he says, if you believe in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, guess what? You can have whatever you say. And it's like, man, do you think, you think God would give me a Lamborghini if I say that? And it's like, well, that's not really what he's talking about. He's talking about someone who's got a transformed heart, a transformed life, who's got transformed desires, who's speaking out things that have to do with the purposes of God. It has to do with the fact that we're believing God for God's Spirit to move over Northern Ireland and and Southern Ireland. We're believing God to move over all of Great Britain. We're believing God to push back the Spirit of Antichrist in Europe. we, We can speak those kind of things out. Are you with me? And so he says in verse 24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray... Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Look at verse 25. It's important. And whenever you stand praying, everybody say whenever. He says, it doesn't matter if it's night or day or if you're old or young. Whenever. If you have anything against anyone. Boy, that's a pretty broad statement, isn't it? Do you got anything against anyone? Is there somebody in your family who's wronged you, who said something wrong to you? Is there somebody in your job who, who you know, kind of just kind of did something to you that bothered you? God wants you to be able to let those things go. Because part of this thing of this life of faith and breaking through into something supernatural is making sure that we don't have offense, that we don't have things inside of us that we're holding on to, that we let those things go. But he says here, forgive that person, forgive him. That your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your heavenly father forgive you your trespasses. That's a pretty weighty statement. That's probably one of those verses that most of the pastors today skipped over. You know? They don't want to preach that because it's, too, it's very, very true. God wants us to be people of forgiveness because guess what? We're like him and he forgives. He forgives us. How many times have you heard the story, the parable, where I always, I guess, use modern examples, but can you imagine if, if I owed Pastor Gowdy 10 million pounds, and he says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the Garda, I guess that's more of an Ireland thing, I'm going to call the police, and guess what, you're going to go to jail, and if you don't pay, I'm going to throw your whole family in jail, I'm throwing your wife and your kids in jail, they're all going to jail until you pay the 10 million pounds, oh please, Pastor Gowdy, don't do it, don't do it to me. And I cry out for mercy. And then he just sits back and goes, you know what? I'm I'm quite wealthy and I'm okay. i got real estate investments and everything. So you know what? I'm going to let you off. I'm going to release you. And so he releases me. And then I go out and I find some person on the street and I go, hey, you remember that 50 pence you owe me or that 10 pound you owe me? Make sure you pay it all or I'm going to come after you in court over it. And it's like, really? You just got forgiven of a 10 million pound debt? And you're going to go after someone for 10 pounds? But yet that's how it is when we actually won't forgive and we won't let people go because God has been so gracious and merciful to forgive us. You think we can let them go of those little things, those little offenses, those little rude comments they might have made? We need to say like Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Just let them go. Some of you, I see part of my message tonight, I really feel like it has to do with understanding our history so we can move into the future some of you guys got a glorious destiny for you in the future but you can't get to it because you keep holding on to stuff in the past we want to look back and look at our heritage and look at those who've gone before us and we can learn from them but we sure don't want things holding us back in the past and yet we can't move into this future that God has for us unless we're willing to let go I want you to forgive some of those people. This wasn't actually part of my, I was, what I was thinking, but I asked God. I said, God, fill my mouth with the right words so I'll say them to the people tonight. God knows what you need to hear tonight. It might just be for one person, but guess what? It's something that's gonna help you move into the future. When we won't forgive and when we get offended and we won't let go of something, guess what? It hurts us more than it hurts that person that we're offended with. So it's so important that we do forgive. It's so important that we do let it go. But the thing I wanted to focus on in this scripture was the fact that he says, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. Over the last few months, I was, I was at a special conference with Kenneth Copeland a few months ago, and he'd been a longtime friend of my grandfather. And I know a lot of people have, have maybe badmouthed him or thought that he's, well, he's word of faith and he's this and that. But you know what? He's a man who literally loves God with all his heart, and he, and he follows God's direction for his life. And he's one of the most generous men I've ever met in my life. He's got the fruit to prove that he's serving the Lord, you know? And so it was just very interesting being there because at his conference, God kept speaking to me over and over about hearing the voice of God. How many know, we even read it today, we gotta hear God's voice. In the Old Testament, even in Deuteronomy 28, when we hear about the law, it wasn't that God told him, if you don't keep these laws, he says, if you will obey my voice. He keeps bringing up the voice, the voice of God, hearing the voice of God. Again, we talked this morning about we don't have to worry about hearing wrong voices because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and a stranger they will not follow. We have the ability to hear the voice of God. As we open up the scriptures and hear what God is speaking into our unique situation. Are you with me tonight? So God wants us to hear his voice, but a lot of times it stops right there for us. We, we listen to the word and then we go back to listening to the news or we go back to listening to the doctor's report or we go back to listening to the negative things in our life and what happens is, the enemy stops us from hearing that word. John or Mark chapter 4, remember the parable of the sower? The enemy comes immediately to steal the word, to steal what God says. If God says you're an overcomer, somebody's coming along to say, you know what, you're a real loser. Someone's coming along to say, you know, you think you're going to overcome? You're not going to make it. Are you with me tonight? God wants you to hear his word, but then the next thing that he wants you to do after hearing his word He wants you to learn how to speak it out of your mouth. He wants to put his word in your mouth. Because again, I'm talking about your future. You need to be able to say to that mountain. You need to speak into your future. Hebrews chapter 11, right around there, remember it talked about with his word, God framed the worlds. After this conference, I'm laying in my bed at the hotel and I remember the Lord saying to me, What kind of worlds are you framing with your words? That's a thought I'd never had before. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing really funny pictures of North Korean architecture. (laughs) You know, have you ever seen some of those buildings that looks like they maybe weren't built by an an architect? They're kind of funny looking. But sometimes that's how our lives can look if we're just, you know, we go around and we can be negative and spew all kinds of negativity and it just seems like our normal so it doesn't seem like anything that's different. But we wonder, God, how come I can't? get a breakthrough how come I can't come into what I'm called to do but it's like well you know I'm never going to make it you know it's never going to work oh gee really whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't you're right you know what are you saying what's coming out of your mouth the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue what are you speaking over your wife what are you speaking over your kids are you blessing them at night are you are you speaking life into them or are you going, ah, stop that. You're just this and that. And you're this and that and the other. And you say things to them that hurts their little hearts and you don't even realize what you're speaking out. So it's so important for us to speak life. Everyone say, speak life. So that, so that that's what comes out of us because God wants that rich water inside of us to come out and to speak that kind of life. And as we talk about that concept of wells, talk about living water, let's look over to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. This morning I touched on it briefly, but you have a rich spiritual heritage here in the British Isles. Would this be considered the British Isles? The North part, okay. All right. Ireland and the British Isles. I'll get it right here before long. Luckily, I have Pastor Gowdy to teach me. Show me the way. Okay. But there is a rich heritage here. And the analogy I used is you could be a million millionaire and you could be down at Tesco crying in the aisle that you don't have any food and you're and you're starving and you need to go on social welfare because you don't have anything. Because you haven't accessed the money that you have. There is a great spiritual treasure here. When you think as I prepared for this trip and I prayed into this trip, God started to move on me. I literally would be sitting in my house crying and weeping, thinking about the moves of God that have come out of England, that have come out of Great Britain, that have come out of this place. You've got people, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be jumping all over the place here, but you've got people like John Wesley, and you've got people like Charles Wesley, who wrote 6,000 hymns, and you've got people like William Booth, the general next to God, who would, they would come into the town and they would roll out a red carpet and just start crying out and praying and seeking God. And people would begin to repent all over the city. And they would not just have a spiritual movement, but they would go in and they would help provide jobs and they would feed people and they would feed the poor and they would just make a huge impact in a community. And even before he died in, in the late 1800s, they were in over 60 nations of the world. And the concept of even how the British Empire expanded out and went out, I believe that there's something similar as an apostolic anointing. That, when I say apostolic, I mean how the church at Antioch was. It was a training and equipping and sending station. People went out from here all over the world. It's really funny when I went down to Dunedin, New Zealand, and I'm on the other side of the world, and I'm, everyone's talking like they're from Scotland, and it looks like there's some castles, and I'm thinking, boy, this is pretty far away to be Scotland, but yet it was that, that movement that sent people all over the world from here. I know a lot of times people might not think about this, but the world time comes from Greenwich Mean England. So, I mean, literally the center of time for the whole world. Also, the center of finance. You know, we've got a big financial center in New York and also in Hong Kong. I've been to those places. But London is the financial capital of the world. Everyone knows that. But the reality is, is that all these different things points back to the great things that God had done here in this land and in this region of the world. Then you've got people like Smith Wigglesworth, who was an apostle of faith, who operated in the gift of faith. And so you've got people like Howard Carter, this guy who mentored my grandfather, who literally had a revelation of the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit that was so powerful and so practical that he functioned in that gift in such a unique way. But all these people that have gone before us And I feel like God's saying, those things are accessible to us. Those things are available to us. They had their own journey. They went down the path of their call to God. They've gone on to be with the Lord. But yet there's something that they taught us. There's something that we could learn from them. You know, when you you got a a, a guy who, who has a company, when he dies, he doesn't just throw the company away. He wants to pass it forward to his son. He wants to pass it forward to his daughter. He wants to pass forward the knowledge. And when it comes from generation to generation... Our beginnings, our, our, our floor should be their ceiling, right? If, if they had a revelation of faith, we shouldn't be back here struggling going, how do we believe God for five pounds? What are we going to do? Or people, you know, well, we don't really believe in healing. Are you really going to say that in the land where Stephen Jeffries and the Jeffrey brothers saw people that just fill halls full of people and they would have 24-hour-a-day services where people would just get healed for weeks on end? Are we really going to not get a revelation of healing in this place? Because it's here. It's under the ground. It's available to us if we decide to dig it up. So let's look at Genesis 26. So many good things in Genesis 26. I'm not going to focus on all of them. But let's start at verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. So even in the midst of a famine, it talks about how he sowed in famine and reaped a hundredfold. doesn't matter what the condition of this land looks like. Things might have shifted around. There could be political issues, all kinds of issues, but God says it's not an issue for me. There's still something here I want to mine out. There's still some good here that I want to dig out. I love this verse, verse 13. The man began to prosper. He continued prospering until he became very prosperous. God wants us to prosper in all ways, spiritually first and foremost. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistine, the Philistines, Philistines envied him. Verse 15. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, "Go away from us, for you are mightier than us." So really, it was out of fear that he was saying this to him. But here he's got all these flocks. I mean, you know if you got some flocks, you probably need some water to be able to give them some water. But the Philistines had literally blocked up the wells that were kind of, you know, an inheritance for him. They were his father's wells. And you know what? The enemies tried to block up wells that are an inheritance for you in this land. Are you with me tonight? There's something here for you if you're willing to tap into it. So he goes on to say this. Verse 17. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham. He redug the wells. That's what we got to do here in this area of the world. we got to redig the wells. A new generation has to come along and go, hey, you know what? The enemy's put all kinds of lies in here, told us that there is no such thing of healing. There is no such thing as flowing in, in the gift of faith to see people delivered and healed. There is no worldwide missions movement coming out of here. But no, God says, no, that's what happened here in this place. These witnesses of faith have gone before. God wants you to go and study their lives and realize he'll do it again because he's no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of generations. He's a faithful God, and he'll do it again. He'll do it in a different way. It'll look different to a new generation, but the same power and anointing can be there and even greater for this time, amen? And so he goes on to talk about how after he dug these wells, the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham, and he called them by the names which his father had called them. Isaac's servants dug the well in the valley and found the well well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. How many know when you start to, to, to get something, somebody else is going to want it? But guess what? God has more than enough. He has more than enough to go around. So Isaac called the name of that well Esek because they quarreled over it. I think the message translation, it just says that they called it, they named the place Quirrell because they quarreled over it. Then in verse 21, and then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called it Sitna, which was like disagreement or argument. But then after that, he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called it by name, the name Rehoboth, because he made room enough for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Uh, some of the different translations, I love, I think, the New Living, where it says, he's made room enough for us to thrive. God's made room enough for us to thrive. And see, God has great things in store for your future. It's not not that we're going to go back and try to reinvent what these people did in the past. The thing that they can pass forward, I always love the example of, of, of radio, television, and the internet. If we go back to the people who created the radio, and the television generation it said, show us the steps you took to create the radio. You're going to follow those steps, and you're going to end up with the radio, not the television. Do you follow me? And the same way from television to the Internet. But the thing that they could pass along was all the technical knowledge that helped in the development of a new technology. And it's in the same way that as God calls us to do what we're called to do for our time, we're not going to try to go around and dress like Smith Wigglesworth and be Smith Wigglesworth or go around and try to be Charles Spurgeon. No, that's not our calling, but we can learn lessons from these people that will inspire our faith, that will encourage us in our time so that we can do what God's called us to do for the now. We can bring the healing anointing to the now, that we can minister to people in a way through the internet, through modern means to speak the word of the Lord to them now. Are you with me? And so it's so important for us to grasp that. He wants us to, to have that, to dig that up. And God wants to make this place of Rehoboth a wide open space. A space where there's room enough for us to thrive. Are you with me? Look with me over to 1 Kings chapter 9. 1 Kings chapter 9. I know we haven't had a lot of time together, so I might be cramming a lot in here, but you know, I'm not here for a long time, so I just wanted to leave a deposit, leave an encouraging word. Actually, you know what? I think it's Second Kings, my, my fault. Well, maybe not. There's Elijah. I don't know why I thought it was there. It's actually First Kings chapter eighteen. I don't know why I had nine down. That was my fault. But again, you had you had um, Baal worship going on in the country. You had all kinds of things that people had walked away from God, and you had this this power face-off between Elijah, the prophet of God. And you had Jezebel and the prophets of Baal. And, and here they were literally having a power encounter, but God showed up and he delivered by fire. Aren't you so glad that God can deliver by fire? And so what happens here, and again, it's just a concept that I want us to catch, is we're talking about this life of faith and we're talking about your future. We're talking about redigging these ancient wells. Is there's a concept that we have to To press in who's willing to pay a price to go and get that it's nice to talk about these concepts But who's willing to go actually pray and see god to see god move in northern ireland You know, I mean is it just nice to have a church service on sunday or whatever Or is this something we're going to live out in our daily life And start to believe god and start praying in our homes and start crying out to god For the holy spirit to move on an extraordinary level in this land And so here you got the story of elijah In verse 41, then Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. Verse 42, so Ahab went to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Some have said that that was kind of in a birthing position, how a woman would give birth to a child, that he literally was was crying out to God, beginning to, to pray, and he said to his servant, go up. And looked toward the sea. And so he went up and looked, and there was nothing. And again, seven times he said, go again. You know, we can say, oh, we believe God for a move of God, and we pray, and then nothing happens. Well, yeah, when well, that crazy American evangelist, Summerall, he came through here and told us there's going to be a revival, but we prayed for two days and nothing happened, so let's just move on with our lives. How stupid was that, right? It's a waste of our time. Or what does he say? He says, go again. And he keeps speaking by faith. Go again. I believe that God's going to move in this place. Go again. And he keeps sending him back. I love hearing the story of Old Roberts when it came to Old Roberts University. Did you know that God told him, I want you to put this university at the corner of Lewis and 81st Street. But the only problem was there was a farmer who owned the land. So he went up and knocked on the guy's door and he says, you know, I want to purchase this property here because we want to build a university. The guy slams the door in his face. And so... He walked away and didn't know what to do and went back. and How many know that God doesn't change his mind just because some people want to get in the way? How many know God lives outside of time? So God saw in the future when the thing would change. So he went back again and knocked on his door a couple weeks later. You know, I want to buy... And the guy slammed the door in his face again. See, we got to be relentless in our faith. It's not just when we go through something that's a little challenging. Oh, we went through something. We should quit. Oh, we're just big spiritual babies. No. God's like, where's the warrior God? Where is the, the, God the Bible says that the, our, the Lord is a warrior. He wants us to be loving, but we're intense in our love. We're not, we're not being pushed around. We're not just, you know, weak-minded people. We're going to hear the voice of the Lord. We know who we are. See, this whole thing, it really comes back to our identity as sons and daughters. You've got to know who you are. Are you just some Christian person who comes to church once a week? Or are you somebody who really walks with the Lord, and you're going to do the purpose that you're born for? And when you get that in your heart, guess what? It doesn't matter what comes against you because you're going to stand in the midst of it. You know you're coming through because you know who you are and you know who your God is. Are you with me? And so here, old Roberts comes back for the third time. You have to wonder, what would it feel like coming back on time number three or time number five? And the guy keeps slamming the door in his face. You know how many times he had to go back to talk to that guy? It was time number 12 that he decided he'd sell. You know, so you wonder, okay, what was it like on the, on the eighth time when he's at the guy's door? I told you five times before I'm not going to sell this property to you. So I'm, what my point is is that we've got to be relentless in our faith. You can't just say, well, you know, we believe God's going to do this or that. So when it's coming to your purpose, your destiny, you can't just give up. You can't just let it go. You've got to say, God, show me what's the next step to take. Sometimes we've got to be obviously patient in that pursuit because it just doesn't happen overnight. But as we're walking it out, we're learning how to fulfill the purpose of God. As I was telling Pastor David today, after lunch, it's, the Bible says that a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day for the Lord, right? And so then he says, hey, just wait a minute. <laughs> but a minute in that kind of formula would end up being about seven years. <laughs> he wants us to learn how to patiently walk out the purpose for our life. Because you know what? More than it is, what he's doing during that time, he's working inside of us. It's more not, not necessarily about what we're called to do, it's what he's calling inside of, he's changing us. He's pretty sneaky how he's pulling that off, isn't he? He's, he's, he's all about changing and transforming us, shaping and molding us through that process as we're walking it out. And a lot of people, I've seen so many believers on that journey, guess what happens? They quit, they give up, they get bitter they say, Well, God told me I was gonna do this and God told me I was gonna do that, and they seek the Lord and they heard it, but then they don't they don't walk it out. What does the Bible say? It's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. And we got to have faith and we gotta have patience, but we can reach out and pull from this heritage that we have here in this land and say, God, you know what, you did miracles for Stephen Jeffries. I think you can do miracles again today. You you moved through the life of Smith Wigglesworth. I thank you you can move today. We say, well, what are we going to do about all the social ills of our country and all this? Well, thank you, Lord, you moved through William Booth, and you touched the nation and touched the world. Thank you that you can do it again today. Praise God for that. But how do we, how do we walk that out on a practical level? How do, we, how do we not just put that up on the shelf, but take time to pray it out, to take time to walk it out? Are you with me? And so he keeps telling him to go again. Verse 44, then it came to pass in the seventh time. <laughs> wow. Would you quit at six or five? The main point is God wants you to be relentless. He says, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And so he said, go up to Ahab and tell him, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. You're going to get stuck in the mud, Ahab, if you don't hurry up. You know, here there's a drought. There's been a huge drought for years. And he was speaking by faith. And God's calling us to speak by faith over this country, over this world. See, again, as I mentioned this morning, it starts with us. If we won't let God change us, then we can forget about trying to change the nation. If, if we won't let God work in our family or our neighborhood, then, then how can we expect God to touch the world? We love going on those mission trips where nobody knows us, and then we can come back and just, you know, be carnal and be, well, just, you know, do the two-hour church thing on Sunday. And, well, we're going to do extra overtime. We're going to do Sunday night service. And that's great. I'm not criticizing you for coming tonight. Thank you for coming. But my point is, it's a life that God wants us to get a hold of. It's a life of faith. It's a life of tenacity and a life to pursue the promise and the destiny and the purpose that God has for us. Amen? And so, basically, he tells Ahab to go. and um, So amazing here. Talk about running a race. How about Elijah? It says in verse 46 or verse 45, Now it came... It happened in the meantime that the sky became black and the clouds and the wind and there was a heavy rain and Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and it says he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. I mean, that guy got his Nike on. I mean, just do it, right? He just just got up and pulled his little skirt up and just took off, you know? Went running into what God had for him. And so... Again, my point being this, this intense thing in his heart to birth it, to, to pray it through, to keep going until he saw breakthrough come. Amen? Look with me over to the book of Daniel. It's the concept that's in Ezekiel. I'm, I'm not going to Ezekiel, but I'm just mentioning Ezekiel. But Ezekiel's dry bones. He said, Son of man, can these dry bones live? Can God redeem this part of the world even though it's wandered away? And I say, yes, he can. Again, we hear what he's saying. God's saying in our ear, yes, I can bring revival to this area. Well, then speak it out of your mouth. God can bring revival to Northern Ireland. God can bring revival to Great Britain. God can push back the spirit of Antichrist over this country. We don't want to just hear that in our ear. We need to speak that out of our mouth. And maybe we have to be like Daniel. We have to pray it in the prayer closet. Maybe sometimes it's not for everyone to hear. But the thing is, is that we can, we can believe in our heart and speak with our mouth, and we can move that mountain. We can see transformation in our society. Sometimes we're asking ourselves, how can we reach a generation that seems so distracted with all types of things in society, all types of entertainments and pornography and all this other stuff, and God said, I'm going to reveal my beauty on a level that's going to distract them from all those other distractions. It's going to get their attention again. A move of God so great that it will, it will, it will shake, shake a generation. Amen? In da- In the book of Daniel... In the book of Daniel, just such, a, a, again, a concept that I wanted you to catch as we're talking about destiny, purpose, pulling from the ones that have gone before us, having Elijah uh, as an example to, to, to be relentless. But you have this concept in the book of Daniel that is just so powerful that I, I just wanted you to, to, to reach out and get it. In Daniel chapter, chapter 10... For those of you who don't really understand the bigger picture here, you had the Jewish people in Babylonian captivity. Actually, the verse I quoted for you today, we we love to quote Jeremiah 20 and 11. I have a future and a hope for you, but what, what that actually had come out of is God had sent Israel into Babylonian captivity for a season. But then there was these false prophets during that time that started saying, "No, no, God hasn't sent us into captivity. We're going to go back. We're going to go. We're going. We're going." And the, the the word of the Lord was, "No, the, you are going to stay in captivity. But I do have a future and a hope for you. It's not like I'm going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. But but you are going to stay here and you are going to go through a time of seventy years." So here you have Daniel, who's in the Babylonian kingdom as, as a as an advisor, as a wise man in that kingdom. And all of a sudden, it dawns on him that that the 70 years that God said that they'd be in captivity was up. The 70 years is up. Time was up. It's like an alarm clock went off and the Spirit all of a sudden, 70 years is up. We don't have to be here anymore. God said we can move on to the next thing. And what hit me was, in, in our generation, it's time now for us to move into some of these things. It's time for the Spirit of God to move on a new generation. And so what happened was, it didn't, excuse me, can I get some water, please? It didn't automatically happen. Thank you. It didn't automatically happen. But what it was is that Daniel all of a sudden realized that the 70 years was up. And that drove him to fasting and prayer. He started to cry out to the Lord, going, hey, God, what's up? You said there's going to be 70 years. The 70 years is up. What's going to happen now? What's next? And so that's where we're at now. Where God wants us to get to a place where, hey God, you did these miracles in this land. Your spirit moved over over Great Britain and over Northern Ireland. and You've done all these things in the world. You had Azusa Street back in, in, in the early 1900s. We want to move for our generation. God, what are you going to do now? And as we begin to reach out and we begin to cry out, all of a sudden, things begin to release in the spirit things begin to open up. And God is really, we we think we're waiting for God and God is waiting for us. (laughs) We're standing around going, well, we're waiting for, you know, some of you are waiting for money to come out of the sky, but guess what? God's giving you business ideas that he wants you to walk out and that's how he's going to bring money to you. You see what I'm saying? Some of you believe in for revival, but God says, I want you to go pray. I want you to go love your neighbor. I want you to go reach out to these people around you. And that's, what's going to bring something supernatural in your community. So look what he says here, verse 10 of Daniel 10. Suddenly a hand touched me and made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. Again, what we said this morning, you're loved. You need to know that. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you while he was still speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And verse 12, he says, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the de- the first day you began to set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard. And I love this part right here. I have come because of your words. Your words have power. Your words have have authority in the spirit. Again, we said earlier, life and death is in the power of the tongue. But this angel says to Daniel, I wasn't planning on coming, but I came because of your words. When you begin to pray out over Northern Ireland, when you begin to pray out over your family, when you begin to pray out over your community, the spirit of God can begin to move because he's given us permission to have authority here. What did Jesus say when we pray that we should pray about binding and loosen? But he says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He wants us to pray that down. He says, yes, Lord, have your will here. Have your will in my life. Have your will here in this city, in Moira. Have your will in this region. Are you with me tonight? And he's saying, I came because of your words, for the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. So what I'm saying is, when, when you start to pray and you don't see an immediate breakthrough, don't quit praying, don't quit pressing, because God's getting ready to do something supernatural, but just because you didn't see an immediate result, you shouldn't give up. You shouldn't quit, amen? And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, that for this there's basically a spiritual battle between these angelic forces going on but this breakthrough came now i have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days and the vision refers to the many days that are yet to come but again the concept i wanted to convey here is he he if we go back and read in daniel 1 you can read it later but basically once he realized that the 70 years of jeremiah's prophecy was up it said he started fasting and praying and putting on sackcloth and ashes, and he himself had not sinned, but he started vicariously repenting over the sins of Israel, and he began to cry out to God, and this angel saying, hey, from the very first day you started praying, from the very first day you started repenting, from the very first day that you started reaching out, I was sent because of your words. Such a powerful concept, and so I believe in God that that your destiny, your purpose, God's moving you forward in that, and as you as you begin to pray out and pray about this heritage that's here in this land, that God is going to begin to release something so powerful, something so unique in you through you that it'll actually touch this land. Amen. Are you with me tonight? The power of our words, it's not just it's not just words. It really has to do with declaration. God wants us to make declarations. He wants us to pray over our families to make declarations. Thank you Lord that our family is blessed. Thank you Lord for your protection over our our family, over this land. And so I just really believe that even tonight we're going to have a ministry time here tonight, but that God he wants you to he wants you to learn how to just be one of his children and live that out in your daily life. I don't really know how to convey all that to you. It's probably, you know, trying to, you know, give you a month's worth of messages in one night. You obviously, can't do that. But it's like the Holy Spirit really wants you to know God has great things for your future. He has amazing things for your future. But who's going to be willing to contend? Who's going to be willing to press in? And so tonight, we want want to have a prayer time here tonight. We just want to reach out to the Lord and say, "Okay, God, you know, what is it? I say, I'll be willing to stand in the gap for Northern Ireland. I'll be willing to stand in the gap for this part of the world, for Ireland, for Great Britain, for what God, what you want to do here. To to redig those wells, to redig what God has done in the past, to say, God, I want, I want a fresh move here now, because see, I'm just passing through, but you're here, you have authority over this area, you're locals, and you have authority to bless this land, you have authority to curse this land, but you know what, you can be a blessing here, you can make a difference here, you can see God move here in a way that is just second to none, and I'm believing God for that. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more messages like this one, visit us online at www.mpc.org.uk. You will also find a selection of informative videos at youtube.com forward slash moira